0: have your Bible with you today, uh, whether it's in print on your knee or on your phone, uh, please open it to Acts chapter 14, verse 22, and this is what God's Word says, Acts 14, verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. I was thinking in my mind how to introduce what I'm getting ready to talk about today, which is the the topic of encouragement. And I figured if ever there was a place to be real, it's here, Um, so I'm gonna be real and be transparent with you for a few minutes to introduce. I was having a hard time. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been there, but sometimes it feels like when you pray, your prayers hit the ceiling, and bounce back on top of your head. Um, no matter what you do, it just seems dark. Um, days are not fun. Uh, getting up and getting dressed and brushing your teeth, uh, even a phone call, is work uh, when the hard times come. Um, A couple of years ago, I had one of those stretches. Um, So much so that I even seriously considered stopping preaching. And I've been preaching 21 years uh, this year, uh, October. Uh, And God's greatly to be praised for that. Uh, He's greatly to be praised for all the opportunities and even for the fact that I'm here now because if it wasn't for a couple of ladies in the church, I wouldn't be here today doing what I'm doing. I know that just as sure as you're sitting in green chairs listening this morning. And one of the ladies of the church, and I won't tell you who it is because I wouldn't embarrass her for a million bucks, but we were talking Have you ever had somebody say something to you and it was so profound and hit you so hard that you had to write it down after they told you? Um, I wrote it down on this offering envelope, um, and this is what she said. She said, You are a missionary to the churches you visit. God is using you to say things the pastors in those churches can't say. He uses you to say what He wants to say in those places. Even if it seems random, even if it seems fractured, in his plan, it is not. He uses you to speak truth every time. And when she said that, it was all I could do standing right there, about eight rows back. It was all I could do to keep from breaking down and losing it but I bit my lip and kept the tears back first of all because I didn't want to scare her and second of all because I really didn't want to cry in front of 500 people because that's how many people were here this was pre-COVID this place was packed up when she said that but when I got Over the magnitude of being hit in the head, it felt like somebody hit me in the head with a two-by-four. When I got over the shock of what she just said, I wrote it down on that offering envelope, and I stuck it in my Bible, and it's been in my Bible every day since. And a couple of weeks later, another lady here at FBCI, I was filling in in a Sunday school class down the hallway here, and after I got done, she said, Canis, she said, I... I want you to know that when you teach it makes me want to go home and read the Bible for myself and when she said that I didn't even try to put on the front that time I did start crying and I thought maybe I need to rethink this thing that I'm getting ready to do just because I don't feel good and just because the thoughts that are in my head are not nice Maybe I just need to chill and hit pause and go back to my Bible and go back to my knees. And I did. And the Lord brought me out of that. It wasn't like this. It took some time. To be honest with you, it took eight months of every day going to the Bible and saying, Lord, I'm not feeling it today. Can't even hardly read. I can't focus my mind on what I know I need to get because, like Jesus said, the words that you speak, they're spirit, and the words that you speak, they're life. And I'd go and I'd say, Lord, I don't feel very much alive today, but I'm here. Help me. And He did. He'll not leave you without encouragement. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care if you got company or not. Jesus will not leave you without encouragement. Period. So that's what I want to talk about today. Encouragement. And I want to talk about it in the context of Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey. And this scripture that we read is toward the end of the book of Acts' account. Of their missionary journey. The first couple of verses of chapter 13 say that while they were ministering in Antioch, the Holy Spirit said, set apart from me Barnabas and Saul to the work which I've called them. And so the church at Antioch prayed and laid hands on them and sent them away to do what the Lord had said, to minister with the good news, the gospel. And so they're on the move with the gospel and the places that they stop in the first missionary journey, it's a mixed bag of reactions. It's some receptiveness, a lot of opposition, especially from the Jews. So much, uh, so, much so that unbelieving Jews traveled from place to place to harass them while they were going with the gospel. And towards the end of... Uh, chapter 14 coming up on these verses we read that the opposition was so strong that they stoned Paul and put him outside the city and the disciples gathered around him and they thought he was dead and he jumps back up and goes back in the city ministering again and The Apostle Paul, his hallmark was to go with the gospel. If he couldn't go to a place, he wrote to it. He always wanted to make sure that the Christians in those places had encouragement. The entire reason why 1422 is in your New Testament is because the verse before says that Paul and Barnabas thought that it was a good idea that they go to three specific places to minister To the people in those places but they had already been to those places once before with the gospel so basically what Paul and Barnabas are doing is an encouragement visit they're doing a return trip a remix if you want to call it that and what they do on the remix is encapsulated for us in 1422 that we just read a few minutes ago Um, the first phrase is the whole purpose for their visit says that they strengthen the souls of the disciples Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm not careful when I read Acts, I read phrases like they strengthen the souls of the disciples, and I gloss over it until what I consider something good happening, then I might pay a little bit closer attention. But that word that is strengthening the disciples, it means to build up. It means to literally, if you want to take the Greek absolutely literally, it means to come beside and prop up. In other words, to support to make strong. no reason they went. That's what encouragement is. To prop somebody up. To help make them strong. To get their feet underneath them. And that's the reason that they went. The second phrase says. Exhorting them to continue in the faith. This is the content of their visit. This is what was happening when they went to these places again for the second time. What does it mean to exhort? Exhort means to urge somebody, to to have urgency in what you're telling them, but it also means to encourage. In other words, there's a a sense of urgency, but they're wanting to, in that urgency, it's not just blind urgency, it's, it's urgency with a purpose, and they're wanting to exhort, they're wanting to encourage. And it tells us, what they wanted to encourage them to do it says that they exhorted them to continue in the faith, to keep going. And that's the reason we need encouragement. because if you haven't been knocked down in the dirt flat at some point in the future you will be. You'll need somebody to come along and say, the Lord's going to help you. You're not by yourself. Stand up on your feet. Let me help dust you off. If you need to lean on me, lean on me. till you got your feet underneath you. And then keep going. But the point is to continue. Just like what Paul and Barnabas are saying to the disciples in these cities in 1422 in the book of Acts. We need people to come alongside of us and say, I know Christianity is hard. It's not easy. It's not that cookie cutter stuff that comes off the TV. I'm talking about what really happens when you're going to stand and go in a direction that the culture and the world you live in is not going. You need somebody to come alongside you and pray for you when you can't pray. To point you to Scripture when you can't even look at the Bible, let alone open it and read it. But what are they doing when they do that, when they take the time to get dirty? They're saying to you in not so many words, I love you, keep going. In my case, when the two ladies did that two weeks apart a few years ago, it made me think, the Lord's got this. Doesn't matter what shape I'm in, how bad I hurt, I'm still here. And if I got to lean on them, then so be it. If I got to cry, then so be it. If I got to ask them to pray because I can't pray myself, then so be it. That's what church is for. That's what church is for. It's not just so we can sit in rows of pews and get together a couple of times a week. Church is so when you need somebody, you know where to go to get you somebody to help you. And if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. And if you've ever had somebody come alongside you and say what they said to me in language that you needed to hear at a certain time, at a certain place, then you know what I'm saying. You know how important it is. The past is the motivation for their visit. Paul and Barnabas... At the end of 14.22, they said, in saying we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Literally, that word means hardships. In other words, if you're going to do what Jesus says in Matthew 7, and I'll flip there and read this. I want to make sure I get it right. Jesus says in Matthew 7.13 and following, he says, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few that find it. What's Paul saying to these people in these three cities that they decided to go back to again after they had been thrown out of them the first time with the gospel? They're essentially putting their lives on the line for follow up, like one commentator said. Lots of missionaries go with the gospel, they give up their lives every single day to take the gospel to the people who need to hear it, but the commentator struck me when he said he's given up he's possibly given up his life for follow up. And that's what they're doing. And he's letting them know the way to enter the kingdom is hard. It's not easy. If it was easy, we'd have a lot more company. The reason we don't is because it's difficult. But just because it's difficult doesn't mean it's not worth it. It's absolutely worth it. If there was anything that's worth your life, if it's anything, Jesus is it. And if that's not true, what are we doing here? Killing time till we go eat. But because it is worth it, his kingdom coming to people who don't know him yet and, and our lives in the process while we go through this world on our way to our home, by the way. This place is a rest stop. And on our way through, Paul and Barnabas, they don't mince any words. They tell us it's going to be rough. And so did Jesus. But that brings me to The last part that I want to talk about today, the most important part, because it's how we use what we've been talking about. It's way more important than the purpose of their visit. It's way more important than the content of their visit or the motivation for that visit, like we've just been saying. It's how do we become people of encouragement? How do we not just do encouragement, but how do we be people whose lifestyle includes the ingredient of encouragement because there's a difference if you just do something it implies that sooner or later you'll stop doing it but if you are something you can't stop you just are and that's the key I believe it. it's one of the most powerful messages that I've ever been associated with and not because I'm in the chair in front of the table with my neck but because it has the potential to change the character of our entire church. It has the potential to change my life and your life and everybody we come in contact with if we're people of encouragement for real. So what do we need to address in our minds when we want to be people who are encouraging people, not just people who do encouragement? Number one, we have to realize every Christian needs encouragement. Because the popular misconception is there are some Christians who need encouragement and some who got it all together and they don't need encouragement. That's a lie. Look around you. Every Christian you see needs encouragement, just like we need water and food every day. There's not levels of Christianity. There's not some people who arrive and all the rest of us are trying to get there still. It's just how things are. And every single person that you know who's a follower of Jesus in this world needs encouragement like we need water and food. Second thing to remember about encouragement is it's not just going to magically happen. In order to be an encouragement to somebody else, you have to make a decisive choice to encourage and then act on that decisive choice. It won't happen by osmosis. It won't happen because you want it to happen. It'll happen when you act deliberately, intentionally, and prayerfully then it'll come through to that person that you're seeking to encourage. And I know right now while I'm talking, you've got a list of names scrolling through your head. People that you need to encourage and you know it. Act on that. Don't just file it back to, oh, that, that message was wonderful. No, no, we're, we're going to use it. I'm going to use it. You're going to use it and we're going to be different because we use it. The next thing to remember is, in order to encourage, you have to put other people's needs ahead of yours. This goes against everything that we're wired to do because we're sinners straight down to our DNA, and sin at root level is selfishness. We're selfish, straight down to our bones, all of us. I'm not exempt, I'm selfish, left to myself. And so are you. But not only does it go against our selfish, sinful nature, it goes against our culture. Because what does our culture teach us? It's all about me. It's about what I got, and it's about what I can do, and it's about what people think about what I have. Me, me, me. That's what our culture teaches us. But if we're going to be people who are encouraging people, encouragement by definition means it's about you. It's about what you need. It's about what I can do for you. Whether that's $50, whether that's a cup of coffee, whether that's a ride across town, whatever you need, I'm your man if you're going to encourage. Or I'm your woman. That that's what it means. That no matter who you are, whether you're youth, whether you're a grown man with a family, whether you're a mom with kids, if you're going to encourage, it has to be about that other person and not about you. And you might say, Candace, I'm, I'm with you. I'm tracking with you. I just want to give you a few things that you can do if you have made up your mind right now that I'm going to be a person of encouragement from now on. I kind of dropped the ball on that, but the Lord's dealt me with me about it, so I'm going to seek to be an encouragement to those people around me. Well, what can you do? The number one thing you can do is be real about the hard stuff that you've been through. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't try to edit and make it look pretty. If it's heavy and it's hard and it hurts, that's one of the biggest tools that God can use from your life to encourage somebody else. Because when you tell that story, the Lord gets glory from that story. Even though it hurts, and it's hard, and it's messy, and it costs you something to tell it. And and let me just tell you, you might cry when you tell it. You you might feel led to to, to say things that you never would say, but you just feel like you should. And when you step out there and do that, the Lord's going to use it. The other thing you can do is pray. Now, I'm not talking about the churchy comment, oh, I'll pray for you. That only gets you so far. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about really praying for that person. To bow your head and open your mouth and say, Lord, I want to come to you on this person's behalf. This is what they're going through. Please encourage them today. Please strengthen them today. Please give them eyes to see those things in their life that are good and not just be overwhelmed with the bad. Please, Lord, do that. I can promise you the Lord is not in the business of turning a deaf ear to communication with Him like that. You know what it does? It puts a megaphone to what you're saying, and He'll act in that person's life, in that person's heart, in their circumstances. And if you've ever prayed for something, I'm talking about something big. The thing I always think about is my brother, because for years he was on drugs, and for years he didn't know Jesus until he does. Now, he's a different person because Jesus has changed him. But it took 20 years of praying not just me, don't be thinking it was just me it was hundreds of people my mama, my daddy, church friends people that that you just feel led that you need to tell them about what's going on because you know they're really going to pray and the Lord moved and he moved in a powerful way and my brother is brand new today brand new and you might be saying well I haven't had that experience of the Lord answering a long term prayer you will you will because every prayer you pray he hears you and I'm not just talking about the words that come out of your mouth I'm talking about what's going on in here he knows your heart not just the words that you're speaking with your mouth And you might be saying, Candace, you got my attention this morning. It's not me who has your attention. The Lord has your attention. But what what else can we do? We can use Scripture to encourage. My preaching professor in, in seminary used to say, nobody says it better than Jesus. So when you read his word, make sure you quote it correctly. It's the most important thing you'll say all day. And there's truth in that. If you have scripture that really means something to you, I'm not talking about just spitting verses at somebody because you want to sound a certain way in public. I'm talking about those scriptures that when you read it, they mean something to you. One of the most powerful things you can do is share that scripture and then tell the story about how come they mean so much to you because we all have scripture it's popping through your head right now while I'm talking and guess what else is popping through your head and my head while I'm talking the stories that go with it how the Lord moved how he worked how he changed what he did how he made a way when there wasn't no way share that scripture tell those stories and let him get glory from those circumstances it's called redeeming the past he loves to do that because that's the thing about it all of us got a past Whether we want to admit it or not, that's another message for another day. But I'm telling you, he can get a lot of glory when you let him redeem the past. So let him have it. And we're blessed in today's world because we have all kinds of technology. We don't have to write a letter the old fashioned way and wait 10 days for an answer. We can text, we can Snapchat, we can Instagram, we can Facebook. And we can have an answer from somebody across the country in less than a minute. It's one of the big ways that we can encourage. And I'm not just talking about because of COVID. I'm talking about in general. If you're doing your time with with the Lord in the morning, you're praying, you're reading the word, and the Lord drops somebody in your mind and in your heart, best thing you can do is pick up your phone and pray for them I pray a lot by text for people that I'm not with I just pretend that they were in a chair next to me and they were duct taped to it and they couldn't couldn't get up no matter what I said I could pray how I wanted to pray because they couldn't move and I just pray by text hit send and let the chips fall where they may and I'm telling you, the minute you, you take that step and you obey the Lord because the Lord has dropped that person in your mind, the Lord has dropped that person in your heart because he wants you to come alongside them, whether it's in person or virtually, he wants you to come along and wrap your arms around them and say, I'm thinking about you, I love you, praying for you. You'd be amazed at the responses you get back. And see, that's the other thing about encouragement. Just giving and not going to get back. The minute you encourage somebody else, you're going to be encouraged. Because believe me, encouragement is a two-lane road, not a one-way street. They're going to give it back to you. Maybe not the immediate gratification response on text message or your social media platform. But sooner or later... That person is not going to forget what you said. They're not going to forget what you did. And when you need it, some of those people are going to come right back around and it's not going to be you encouraging them. The shoe's going to be on the other foot. They're going to be encouraging you. So you can keep going. So you can survive for another 24 hours. Because... Believe me, Satan doesn't care what you're involved in as long as you're not following after Jesus with maturity in Christ as your aim. He could care less what you're doing as long as you're not doing that. That's why the world is full of things to sidetrack you. Relationships, money, jobs, women, alcohol, pornography, you name it, the list is long But they're all there to sidetrack you, to keep you from maturing in Jesus Christ because that is the name of the game. You want to exemplify Christ in your conduct. You want to exemplify him in the way that you treat people. You want to sound like him when you open your mouth and you want to love like him in action in the world where you are. That's what we do in here. Otherwise, we might as well just go straight on home because heaven's a whole lot better than here. But he left us here so that he could get glory from our lives, so that we could live a life that honors him. Day after day after day and year after year after year because it matters. There are people in this world who don't know him yet. And there are people who do know him who are tired and they're thinking about throwing in the towel. They're thinking about calling it quits. And I'm not talking about attending First Baptist of the Islands. I'm talking about turning their back on Jesus for good and walking away never to return. And I'm not saying that If you encourage, the opportunity for people to leave the faith and never come back won't exist because it'll always be there. What I am saying is that if we're people of encouragement, the odds are less that a person will turn their back on Jesus than if we don't encourage, if we don't look after people. Because it's not just the pastor's job, it's every Christian's job. to look after people in that way, to be people of encouragement because it cuts down on the likelihood that we're going to be selfish and our lives are going to be all about us because you can't worry about somebody else and make your life all about you. You can't do it. You can't do it. And so my prayer is for myself and for you that when you leave, you won't just file this one in the file cabinet in your mind to say, Oh, it was great, and then two weeks later you forgot about it. I want to use it. I want you to use it. So that our church can have the impact of that. What would happen if all of us just got it in our mind that we can't encourage everybody, but we can pick a person today to encourage do you realize that if you did that every day for a year, that's 365 people that you encourage? That's a lot of people. If you start stacking it up 5 years, 10 years, 15, 20, 25, down the line, that's a ton of people. But what could happen in your own heart? What could happen in my heart if I start giving out that much encouragement? What am I going to get back? You're going to receive it back in kind. That's what. You're going to encourage somebody, and they're going to encourage you. They're going to encourage you, and they're going to be there for you when you need them because everybody needs somebody. There is no lone rangers doing this Christian life. We all need people. That's what this place is about. It's not the building, not the carpet, and not the chairs. The church is people, and we all need people. And the other thing about it is that's one of the reasons why a lot of people leave church. They come, they get plugged in, they serve, they're invested, but they don't have encouragement, and eventually they burn out, get tired, and leave. We don't want that to happen. We want to keep the people that we've got, the people who are gifted, the people who care about other people, and that's everybody because everybody has spiritual gifts. You read Ephesians, it says that the Holy Spirit of the Living God gives gifts to every person, every person. So we all have gifts. We want to keep them. We don't want people coming in the front door and out the back door, never to return. Because if we keep them, guess what happens? The Church is strong. The church exemplifies Jesus more and more over time, which is what the church is supposed to do. Timothy calls it the pillar and ground of the truth. And that's what our lives are to be for. Not just for ourselves, but for other people. Because that's the example that Jesus set for us. I was reading this morning in my private time that when it came to, came to Golgotha, they, they offered him uh, sour wine, Uh, to to, to dull the pain, and when he tasted it, he refused to drink it. Why did he refuse to drink it? Because he wanted to feel the weight. He wanted to, to, to be mentally involved in what was going on. And I'm not just talking about the nails and the beating he took before he got to Calvary either. I'm talking about the weight of your sins and the weight of mine that he was paying for. He did not want to be in a fog while he was doing that. That's the depth of his commitment for me and you. That's the lengths that he's willing to go to. But see, when we encourage, we put him on display. We we point people to him. That's what our lives are supposed to be for. Our lives are not supposed to be for Bible study, Sunday school classes, church things that we do. No, our lives are supposed to be for him and to put him center stage and to push everything else to the periphery. And when we encourage, that's what happens. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm through. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. I thank you so much uh, for the chance to be here in person, because uh, not too many months ago we couldn't. So I just I pray for myself, and I pray for uh, the folks that are here today. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to, to be people of encouragement, that we wouldn't just do encouragement for a while and stop. We would be people of encouragement, because you were encouraging you lived your life for other people you gave your life so that other people can know you The ones that didn't know you and that included all of us at one point in time so father i pray that you would help us to to use encouragement as a vehicle to point people to you and i pray that you get glory from that 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 every time we tell the hard things and every time we come alongside somebody that you would be on display and that you get glory from everything that's done. And we we thank you, Lord, and we love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.